I really hope that this episode becomes my most listened to episode because I think this is such a knowledge gap for anyone and really should not be a knowledge gap, especially for women. But it really is important for everyone to have an understanding about female anatomy. I think there's a lot of just lack of knowledge and then a lot of misidentification and misconceptions of this topic. So I really hope that this episode is helpful for anyone listening and I certainly hope to clear up a lot of the misinformation that is spread on social media, including Instagram, TikTok, and different blogs online. Um, so we are talking very much about anatomy and physiology of how the female organs work. And as I go through this episode, please know that I'm going to be using the word female. I don't mean to ignore other groups of people that may not identify as female that still have these organs. And then there are people that identify as female who do not have these organs. But just to be clear, I'm talking about the anatomy of individuals who have a uterus, a cervix, a vulva, a vagina. And I also acknowledge that there are many people that have some of these and not others. There are some people that do not have a uterus. There are some people that do not have ovaries. But I'm just talking very much in general of what is typically considered to be female anatomic organs. And again, this is important for anyone, whether you have these organs or not, you can get a lot out of this episode. Welcome to First Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I am a student doctor in my last year of medical school. First Line brings listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness through an osteopathic lens. First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, how to succeed in medical school, and various topics in healthcare, including mental health, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. So I'm going to first start out talking about the uterus. So this is an organ that is found in the pelvis. It is located behind the bladder and in front of the rectum. The uterine cavity itself is triangular in shape and it connects with the cervix and then towards the upper part of the uterus this is where you will have the uterine horns that are where the uterus connects with the fallopian tubes on each side this is where implantation occurs of a fertilized egg after sperm means egg or the ovum this is where implantation takes place and this is where the fetus will grow throughout pregnancy. It is also where, if there is not a fertilized egg or a zygote that implants for each cycle, then this is where menstruation occurs. The uterus itself has a few layers. There's the endometrium, um, which is a mucosal layer made out of 
tubular glands and connective tissue. The endometrium is what sloughs off during the menstrual cycle that causes you to bleed and what comes out of your uterus during menstruation is not blood. There's actually very little blood compared to the volume that comes out. Most of it is the endometrium. It's actual cells of the uterus. Then the myometrium is the smooth muzzle layer. It contains blood vessels and nerves as well as some connective tissue. And then there's the perimetrium that is covered with serosa. The embryology of the uterus and cervix is actually pretty interesting. So when a fetus is just about seven or eight weeks old after fertilization happens, there's something called a paramesonephric duct that, also known as the malarian duct, that gives rise to the uterus, cervix, fallopian tubes, and part of the vagina. So there's two ducts and they fuse and that process is completed by the 12th week. The cervix develops itself at about the 10th week and then the uterine septum, since it is combined by two malarian ducts, the septum disappears when the fetus is about 22 weeks old. When this process doesn't occur exactly how it's supposed to be, that's how you get a septate uterus or a bicornuate uterus when these fail to completely fuse together. And then the cervix, this is the connection between the vagina and the uterus. And that is obviously then where sperm enters from the vagina into the uterus for fertilization. The cervix is also, since it's the connection between the uterus and vagina, it goes the other way as well as far as menstruation goes. The blood from the uterus goes through the cervix into the vagina. The cervix also is where you have the production of clear fluid that occurs with the function of facilitating the passage of sperm. And the cervix itself is kind of a, a cylinder type shape. And it contains the cervical os. It's the opening of the cervix into the vagina. And it's where your OBGYN or whoever is doing a pelvic exam will make sure that they inspect that area. And that's where they also take a pap smear from. And that's to sample cervical cells through that os. So then the ovaries, these are the structures that are on each side of the uterus connected to the uterus through the fallopian tubes. And this is where egg production occurs. Um, it's also where your body makes estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Yes, even females will produce testosterone. So you typically have two of these. They are suspended by a ligament. Your right ovary is pretty close to your appendix and your left ovary is pretty close to a part of your large intestine as well. So a lot of times when women get pain in this area, whereas in a male you would think that it has something to do with the large intestine, but in women doctors have to really think about the ovary being an issue um, because they're often in the same area. And the, the ovary also has several different layers. Um, it has collagen, connective tissue, vessels, nerves. The ovary itself has ovarian follicles that um, will mature during the menstrual cycle. 
Each follicle will produce an egg, and it's signaled to do this by different hormones in the body. And what's really interesting is that when a female baby is born at birth, she will have about one or two million eggs. And as she ages, that number will decrease until menopause. And then during the menstrual cycle, you'll have the maturation of these ovarian follicles. You'll start out with a primary follicle during the first week of the menstrual cycle. You'll have a secondary follicle with cells that continue to proliferate. And then in the second week, you'll have a tertiary follicle or a graphene follicle. This starts to be involved in a process called meiosis. And then the follicle will rupture and release this egg. After ovulation, um, the rest of the follicle will collapse and there's something called a corpus luteum that develops that will start secreting different hormones including progesterone and estradiol which is a form of estrogen and this is to support a developing zygote if fertilization occurred. And if no fertilization occurs, there's no beta HCG which means that the corpus luteum eventually um, atrophies or it dies off and then that signals uh, menstruation this episode of first line is sponsored by TrueLearn. TrueLearn is an exam prep company best known for their smart banks that turn your weak areas into your strengths I decided to partner with TrueLearn because it is the only company I trusted for preparation for Comlex Level 1 and Level 2. Each TrueLearn SmartBank practice question has detailed answer explanations and succinct bottom lines to get the big learning takeaway. For my listeners taking the USMLE, TrueLearn also has an amazing USMLE SmartBank. If you are in your third year, TrueLearn also offers SmartBanks for shelf exams and Comat shelf exams. Go to truelearn.com and use one of my special discount codes for up to $35 off your subscription. Special discount codes can be found in the episode description. The fallopian tube really is a structure that is from the horn of the uterus that extends outward and it's connected with a ligament. And then the opposite end opens near the ovaries um, into the abdominal cavity. So this is where, when you ovulate, the ovary produces the egg and then the egg enters the fallopian tube. And this is usually where fertilization happens with the sperm in a part of the fallopian tube. And then implantation occurs, like I said, in the uterus. And the fallopian tube has cilia or small hair cells that are able to coordinate the movement, the passage of of the fertilized egg for implantation. And kind of similar to the uterus, it, it is made up of a few different layers. There's the mucosa, there's the muscular layer, it's smooth muscles. Then there's also the serosa that holds the blood vessels surrounding the fallopian tubes. The function of the vagina is, yes, it's a passage for childbirth. It's also used for sex for sexual pleasure um it's also the passageway for menstrual blood to travel through it is also a barrier for infections 
It has more of an acidic pH that will prevent most infections from rising up to your uterus. And it's supported by pelvic floor muscles and many different ligaments. So the vagina, just like a lot of these other parts, is made up of several different layers, including a mucosal layer and a muscular smooth muscle layer. In front of the vagina is the urethra and also the bladder. And then behind the vagina is where you find the rectum and the anal canal. And then further to the surface of the vagina is where the pelvic floor is and the vulva. So the vulva, really the function of the vulva is to secrete fluid for lubrication during sex by different glands that are found there. And it also functions as providing sexual arousal. So the the vulva is external. It's not found in the pelvis. And the vulva is really the term that is used to describe the labia majora. So these are the folds of skin. Um, The labia minora, which is um, the folds of skin that are beneath the labia majora. This part of the skin does not grow hair. The labia majora will. And the labia minora is the deepest skin layer that surrounds the entrance of the vagina. Then there's something called the vestibule, which is really the cavity, just the space between the labia minora, so the inner lips. And this contains the vaginal opening and then also the urethral opening. And the vestibule contains those glands that secrete fluid for lubrication during sex. And it also contains something called bulbs that are actually erectile tissue that surround the vaginal orifice. So this is erectile tissue that when a woman is aroused, they will become erect almost like a penis would be. And then there's the clitoris. This is right in front of the labia minora. And this is also erectile tissue that has the same embryological origin of a penis. So when a fetus is developing, they have undifferentiated genital organs. And depending on the genetics of the fetus, these ingredients for genital organs either become the penis or becomes the clitoris. So they come from the same origin of erectile tissue. It's just that the genetic makeup of that fetus told it to produce a clitoris and not a penis. And another interesting thing with the embryology is that um, there's something called a labioscrotal swelling that that occurs in the fetus and it either becomes the labia majora the outer lips or it becomes the scrotum in males let me know that you like first line if you are listening on spotify tap the star to rate the show if you are listening on apple podcasts scroll down and tap to rate or write a review thank you so much for your support So now I want to take a little passage through the menstrual cycle because this is often um, misunderstood. So a normal length of a menstrual cycle is going to be between 24 to 38 days. 
28 days is the average. And this is just the number of days between the first day of your menstruation, one month, and then the next first day of menstruation, the following month. Many people will have shorter cycles than this. Many people will have longer cycles than this. Especially with PCOS, you may have much longer cycles than 38 days. The menstruation itself usually lasts uh, three days up to a week. So I think this is important to go through because I've heard doctors get this wrong. The first part of the menstrual cycle is called the follicular phase. So day one of a cycle starts on your first day of menstruation. So those first two weeks is when hormones, hormones from the brain, signal to the ovaries to produce estrogen. And with that comes the selection of a dominant follicle. There's a feedback loop of estrogen causing the release of more follicle stimulating hormone, which leads to the production of luteinizing hormone. And that surge of luteinizing hormone eventually causes ovulation around day 14. But that's going to vary um, based off of how long your cycle is. Usually the first half, so this follicular phase, accounts for most of the variability of cycle length. While all of this is happening in the ovaries, there's also a parallel process going on in the uterus. In the first three days to week of the menstrual cycle, this is when bleeding occurs. And that marks the start of the cycle. And this occurs alongside the corpus luteum dying off. Then the next 10 days of the cycle is the proliferative phase. And this is when estrogen signals to the endometrium to grow. As follicles develop, they produce even more estrogen, causing the endometrium to grow even more. And then the second half of the menstrual cycle is the luteal phase. And this is usually more of a standard two-week phase. And this marks the day of the luteinizing hormone surge to the beginning of the next menstrual cycle with menstruation. Ovulation occurs, an egg is released. After the egg is released, cells induce the formation of the corpus luteum from the follicle. This leads to increased progesterone production, then eventually... If there is no pregnancy, then the corpus luteum will atrophy or die off. And thus, the beginning of the next menstrual cycle occurs. In the last about two weeks of the menstrual cycle in the uterus, this is the secretary phase. This is when the endometrium prepares itself for implantation with the help of progesterone. And that's why progesterone is so important with fertility to make the uterus hospitable for the embryo to implant. During this phase, you also have an increase of cervical mucus. You have increased basal body temperature, and that is why that is often used for fertility awareness techniques. And then if no pregnancy occurs during this phase, then progesterone levels dip. And then the endometrium atrophies, and that leads to 
menstruation and next cycle. So you can see that there is a process going on both in the ovaries and in the uterus that kind of work together, use the same hormones, estrogen and progesterone mostly. So I hope that that was helpful going through some of the parts of female anatomy and also going through the menstrual cycle. It's often just seen as this magical thing that occurs and no one really knows why it occurs and how it occurs. So I hope that that helped to clear things up. You can follow Firstline on Instagram at Firstline Podcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Firstline Podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode every Monday.